This is Misha Tate on today's Throwing Down podcast. Ryan McKinnell and I will talk about Glover Teixeira's feel-good title win at UFC 267 and which of Saturday night's big winners have the best chance at a title shot. Happy Monday and happy um, Halloween over the weekend. And by the way, what is that on your head? I mean, are you just trying to look more like Renee or is this part of the Halloween yeah. costume? Because yeah. You, yeah. you're just trying to make yeah. me feel more like Renee's here. Yeah, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a comfortability thing. I didn't want hmm. this to be awkward, you know. Um, we do have a history. We've done shows together, but we don't do Monday shows together. You know what I mean? We've never done throwing down <laughs> together. You've been with Renee now for many, many, many weeks. I just didn't want you to forget, you know, who you're doing the show with. And that's, well, a, a hybrid today. No, you're right. I, uh, I've got a wig on. I wanted yeah. to, I wanted to embody the spirit of the great Renee Paquette. So here we are. Okay. Well, now I know what Renee lo- would look like with a beard. So. And you know what I would look like with long blonde hair, which is absolutely <laughs> fucking terrifying. It is. I'm just wondering if you're going to keep uh, that on the whole show or if we're going to no, use it at no. some point. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. My, my head is already on fire. Uh, it's just super itchy. This will last for one segment enough to uh, pop the team here, right? Russo and Kelly Perfect. had a good laugh. You're smiling. Yes, we're off to a we're off to a good start. I didn't even it. think I didn't even think I was I didn't even think uh, this is all not planned. I got my pumpkin behind me. Uh, why? I got my pumpkin, my wig. Uh, I'm still celebrating Halloween. I got a call last night on the bat phone. Hey, can you come in and uh, help out tomorrow on throwing down? I was like, yeah, sure. I mean, I actually full disclosure, uh, Misha, I was out partying uh, out here in Vegas, enjoying Halloween, uh, but also. I'm really excited because as I was watching the fights on Saturday at UFC 267, there was so much good stuff coming out of the card, whether it be the interim champion, whether it be the uh, Russians wrecking shop, whether it be the great story of Glover Teixeira, right? Everything was happening. I was like, I can't believe I got to wait till Wednesday to get on the air and talk about this awesome fight card. I don't actually uh, have to wait. Little did I know the universe had other plans in store. And here I am on a Monday with you, Misha Tate. I'm excited. Well, welcome. Yeah, it's a fun three-hour segment that, you know, it's usually with Renee, but I'm happy to have you in, fill in a little tag team. We we uh, we, we actually got to talk last Wednesday, too, which was great. So we're just keeping we the, did. Ball, keep the momentum yeah. rolling. Yeah, we did get to talk on Wednesday. You got to give your picks and predictions. We got to chop up uh, 267 a little bit. Listen, before we get into 267, uh, I did just mention it. I have my pumpkin behind me. I've got this splendid full head of hair that i haven't had in 17 years um, and i see you have a skeleton on your shirt but what yeah. is that what is that shirt it's my uh halloween just my halloween shirt oh okay yeah you're ha- still oh, pumpkins, so so basically pumpkins. did you feel like you got gypped a little bit did you have to go to bed earlier than you planned to like be ready for the show oh, you had to do oh, some yeah. adulting or what yeah. <laughs> yeah no i mean i i had full plans on staying out till like four in the morning um that obviously didn't work because it's 11 a.m on the west coast now so yeah no i pivoted a little bit but uh, luckily i wasn't too much in the bag i got the call and i was like okay yeah no i think we can we can manage this I can get myself a good six or seven hours and wake up feeling bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. I did, uh, I did miss our initial pre-show meeting, though. Russo had to uh, – I woke Push up to, like, seven texts bit. from yeah. Russo. Russo's – yeah, Russo's like, are you up yet? Russo's like, hey, buddy, uh, all right, I'll just push the pre-production call till 9 o'clock. And I'm like, woke up, and Mike actually had to call me. Anyway, taking, a, taking us behind the curtain. But, no, 
uh, yeah, I, it was a little bit of a I wake up on Mondays the, like out. early. I start my workout at 7.15 so I can be on that pre-show call at 8 and then we get everything set up and then we go by 11. Yes, yeah, so <laughs> I'm used to the early morning. Yeah, what do they, they do? They, they got a cra- – this is not like MMA Today or Busted Open or some of the other shows we do. This is a – this is a whole morning excursion for you guys here on Throwing it Down. So I'm just getting my first taste of it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, listen, how was your Halloween? Before we get into the fights, uh, Halloween, I was talking about it with my wife last night. Uh, it is my favorite holiday. It is better than Christmas. It is better than Thanksgiving. It's the celebration of all things mischievous and more important cupcake. It is a celebration of sugar and candy. I don't care what anybody says. It's the candy holiday. Uh, that's all I care about. Well, that's all my daughter cared about either because I never give her candy. And I remember she still remembers Halloween from last year when she was just two years old because she was <laughs> mind blown that you could just walk up to someone's door, knock on it, and they would give you candy. It was the best day of her life. Hands right. down, for sure, her favorite holiday. I know that. Um, she was a ghost, and my one-year-old son was a ghostbuster. So we went. <laughs> oh. We went along with those themes. It was cute. Um, and she walked everywhere last night. She was so excited. I mean, she definitely, she probably covered a couple miles. And that's a lot for a three-year-old. But she was doing an old school style, just like mom, running from house to house, you know? She never gets candy, so it's not like she thinks she can go home and just get more. Like, kids these days are like, oh, you know, they go to 10 houses or they just trunk or treat. Like, what? what is that? Like, I'm down for some good trunk or treating, but... Not on Halloween. Like Halloween, we are going and we're walking miles and we're going to be exhausted and we're going to enjoy every piece of candy we earned. Like that's my mentality, you know, and that is definitely my daughter's mentality, too, because, she know, mom's not going to give her any when she gets home. So she better earn it. <laughs> yeah, that's see, that's you, you play a dangerous game there, uh, Misha Tate, because I was a child of uh, no sugar and no candy. Right. And, and Halloween was my my one time a year to go crazy. And I, I feel like I developed a complex. I feel like it was with all the, the diet food and, you know, no sugar. Then you gave it to me, and then I just cleaned house. I just, you know, Halloween for me, I was basically like Amaya. I was like, no, we're, go- we're going until the sun goes down and then until people, like, are kicking me off their front porch. I had my, my candy <laughs> would last me, like, two or three months because of that reason. That shit was worth its weight in gold. Misha, if you come from a house that doesn't have candy or if parents are, like, super restrictive, oh, my God, Halloween is even even cooler that's probably why i love it so much even today and why i got a pumpkin behind me and why i'm wearing a halloween shirt and why i'm that's not letting why, it go yeah. i can't that's let probably halloween, why she loves I it too let it go. <laughs> i i hope yeah. i will not be my daughter's undoing when it comes to sugar but man i've got <laughs> i've got a hefty job as a parent i gotta raise healthy babies so i guess what they do as adults is on them <laughs> yes that's right you cannot be responsible uh, for what happens later in life you did your best you did your best and uh, yeah there's nothing wrong with uh a little candy here and there. It's an important uh, reminder to everybody out there on this Halloween weekend. What'd you dress up as? Um, so I had like a, a scream shirt on. Um, it was like the closest thing I could kind of get to a ghost or whatever. Just a white shirt and it kind of looked like a ghost, but it was, was in fact the scream face. But um, yeah, other than that, I tried to go with the ghost theme. Johnny wore a Ghostbusters t-shirt. So we just tried to make it a okay. family affair. We did our best. Uh, they don't at least on Amazon, because, you know, I waited till the last minute to get my costume. I wasn't even sure I was going to dress up, quote unquote. But really, it was just a, like a sweater shirt. Yeah, we did the, the Ghost and Ghostbusters. It was cute, though. Daxon was, was adorable in his Ghostbusters outfit. Amaya, you know, she had her white tutu <laughs> and the white T-shirt and the, the ghost, you know, theme. So, yeah, we were just we were just tagging along. We were, we're just the parents tagging along. You- we didn't really focus on us. <laughs> 
you could have went as a power lifter or some shit because we're about to get into the fights and we're about to talk about the week that was. But I was uh, perusing social media this week on Instagram and you shared a set of photos, Miss Tate. What in the F were you doing? Like, I was talking about the lead in to your debut fight, your return fight against Marion Renault. I was calling you shredded and jacked and very vascular. I don't know what the hell I called that I saw this weekend. You look, uh, Misha, I don't fire tip top uh, shape. Like, what? I don't know what word I'm supposed to use, but you uh, you uh, you got my attention over the weekend on Instagram. Well, thank you very kindly. Um, I've been working <laughs> my ass off or on, I guess you could even say, because I'm bulking, man. I, <laughs> yeah, I put yeah. on like three pounds, three, uh, probably a solid three pounds of muscle since my last fight uh, based on like all the analysis and stuff that we've done and body. Me- yeah. So, I mean, I've just been putting on size. Um, we're building on the momentum that we built last camp. So if you thought that one was a good performance and buckle your seatbelts because November 20th is going down. I like it. And that is uh, approaching soon. Speaking of that November 20th date uh, with Miss Fiera, we have your head coach, Rick Little, the founder and creator of Sick Jitsu. He's stopping by in like a half an hour. We also got, Misha, a stack show coming uh, the way of Fight Nation out there. Uriah Faber stopping by and Al Iaquinta stopping by. Al on that card this Saturday at UFC 268. Yeah, that's right. Back-to-back weekends. Back-to-back numbered cards for the UFC. Al taking on Bobby Green, his first fight since 2019. So very much looking forward to catching up with those three men as the show goes along. But Misha... The story of this Monday, and I am so glad we get to be the first MMA show here on, well, MMA Pro Wrestling Combat Sports Show here on Fight Nation to talk about this card. I don't know exactly where you want to start at UFC 267 because there were so many cool little narratives and takeaways and, you know, uh, feel-good stories. But, but Misha, in terms of feel-good stories, I don't know if there is a better feel-good story this year, this decade, and, and really one of the best feel-good stories in the history of mixed martial arts with Glover Teixeira becoming UFC light heavyweight champion at 42 years old also Glover just turning 42 this week that's a hell of a birthday present for the old man (laughs) I would say so and it was a hell of a performance my god you know I can't say that uh I I cannot say that I wasn't rooting for him because deep down I was like this is the last chance whenever it's somebody's last chance I can't help it I just I just want to root for them to touch the gold one time because I know how life-changing it is and how what an amazing experience it is, and 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 it's conquering the mountain, you know. So you do all that climbing for a yeah. reason. You want to get to the top. So you know he reached the summit. I'm so happy for him. It was a great performance, and I mean, talk about motivating to me as well. You know, I mean, I just turned 35, and um, he's just proven that there's plenty of time to get it done. You know what I mean? There's plenty of time. There's a yeah, lot you're, more you're that goes into chicken. this. I mean, comparatively, I guess I got seven years, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, it's really cool to see this, this, uh, you know, you didn't have to call it a resurgence of his career because I don't really feel like uh, Glover ever fell off. But, you know, this continuation, the grind, the never stop narrative, never give up to go in there and get it done at 42 years old is beyond impressive. There's not really a word that describes, I think, the journey and the admiration, at least, that I have for this man to be able to go in there and do something that is rarely done. But he's got a lot of experience, and he drew on that. Um, And he fought a damn near perfect fight. 
Yeah, for what it was, absolutely. And uh, what a run that that man's been on and what a story we're talking about. You know, obviously, uh, you, you just can't deny if you've been a fan of the sport, if you've watched the sport, if you followed the sport in any way, shape, form, or fashion over the last 10, 15, 20 years, uh, Glover is, you know, he, he the, the story is it's special. You just don't see it like this. Uh, a lot of the time you just you don't have those sort of payoffs you don't have that sort of longevity uh, as a fighter it's just rare especially you know uh, with the era that he came from you know pit fighter uh, with John Hackleman he was like Chuck Liddell's secret training partner coming up in the mid-2000s he was kind of like the boogeyman Um, you know he, he obviously hard sparring sessions a hard era that he came from And he stuck around to the point of age 42, Misha. Uh, I I don't know where this ranks in terms of feel-good stories for you, uh, in terms of, you know, your fandom and and your uh, history in this sport. But I think, like, I think back to, like, um, like GSP coming back and taking out Bisping at middleweight. Uh, I I, I always thought that was a really feel-good story, especially Mm kind of with the way it ended and he didn't come back. He just came in, did it, proved himself, became a two-division champ. I feel like kind of stuck it to Dana White in the UFC for saying, you know, Dana, all those those years when George was out, was like saying, you know, he doesn't want to be a fighter. Is his heart really in it? Yada, 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 right? For me, that was like one of those feel-good stories. Um you know, throughout my fandom as a mixed martial artist. And I, I suppose there's been others, but uh, what about you? Like, where does this one rank in terms of feel-good stories, this Glover to share win? It's it's up there because of the extensive journey and the age that he was able to get it done at. It's all just very impressive. Um, but speaking yeah. of Michael Bisping, I think him, you know, becoming a champ to begin with was kind of a, yeah. a story. Yeah. Right, I mean the Rockhold win, yes, yes, yeah. yes, for sure. So that was that was definitely one of those feel good stories, and um, there's a couple of them. Chris Weidman, uh, you know, finishing Anderson Silva. Yeah. Remember that it was kind of like okay, that was that mm-hmm. was cool. Um, and then okay, I gotta I gotta get into my division a little bit. I mean, I know the women's division hasn't been around nearly as long, so we don't quite have that uh, length and history in the UFC, but. I think Holly becoming a champion was just uh, she was such an underdog. You know, she was it was a latter part in her career mm-hmm. as well. She had a crossover from another sport that she was highly successful in. And just nobody thought it was going to happen. Like nobody thought she was going to beat Ronda. And so I think when she she shook the world when she had that win. And I just thought it was kind of one of those feel good stories because she was such a likable person and it was so unlikely she was going to do it and she did it in such a big way that for me it was like damn you know you kind of want it you wanted to see her get it done well I'll uh, I'll throw you in there as well because without Holly Holm and that Ronda Rousey win uh, Holly Holm is a champion and then you don't go out there and do what you did and that for a lot of people because listen Holm didn't have the rivalry with Rousey like you did, right? So, like, with that Rousey rivalry that you had, that was such a polarizing thing, right? People had taken sides, and there were a lot of people that were on your side. And then after that second fight with Rousey and the no handshake and all that, right, I feel like it put people even more in your corner. And then you go out and you take care of home. In in a situation, Misha, we talk about feel-good stories, 
that was a product of circumstance, right? Like, we didn't know if we'd ever see you back in that situation again. We didn't know how that was all going to play out. And, boy, did you make the most of it. Now, I know you aren't going to sit there and say, well, my fight was a feel-good story. That was an awesome accumulation <laughs> of a narrative. And yada. But, but, but for a lot of folks out there, Misha, I think uh, your win over Holly definitely stands, at least in the last 10 years, definitely in this modern day of mixed martial arts, one of the feel-good stories, especially in that division. I don't think you can question that at all. Well, thank you. I, I I do appreciate that. It was uh, wasn't the one that was crossing my mind. You're right. Sometimes I forget to reflect on the things that 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 I've done. But uh, I appreciate you bringing that up. Um, I'm gonna throw to one more Rose Namajunas being the first woman to ever come back and win a championship ever yeah. after losing it. I mean, that's rare in the entire sport, but you know, everything that Rose has gone through and her becoming a champion and then the way that she lost it felt kind of wrong. And then she, we didn't know what was going to happen. And then she came back and fight, fought Wei Lee, who we just know is, I mean, has a fight of the year with, with Joanna. I mean, she's just an incredibly tough, a uh, very difficult yeah. puzzle to solve. And Rose goes out there and gets it done the way she did. That was a, that was, an, that was amazing for me. That was a very feel good championship and win. That. And I'm, I, I'm glad you brought that up. The win itself was great. The way the win happened was great. And Misha, that post-fight uh, press conference from Rose was absolutely awesome in terms epic. of a feel-good story. So She's just I epic. Like, I like that, yeah. Hi, everyone. I'm Hall of Fame sportscaster Leslie Visser, and I've got a new podcast, In Conversation, where I'll draw from 45 years of covering the Final Four, the NBA Finals, Wimbledon, the World Series, the Super Bowl, the Olympics. CBS even sent me to the fall of the Berlin Wall. I think you'll enjoy the give and take, so subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts or listen on the SXM app included in most subscriptions. We are talking UFC 267, obviously, over the weekend, a great fight card, new champions crowned, uh, and Misha, potential future champions being highlighted. Uh, we just heard the highlight there from Islam Akashev and his gigantic win over Dan Hooker, just <laughs> running roughshod over Hooker in just a few quick seconds, it felt like. Uh, great win from Akashev. Then, obviously, there was Chemaev. There was Ankalaev, and then there were the other Russians, you know, Volkov and uh, Jan. But for the sake of this discussion, as we talk about super uber prospects, Ankalaev, Chemaev, Makashev, when you look at those three names, I asked this question to Anthony Lionheart-Smith last week before the fight. Out of those three prospects, who is most likely to get a UFC title first And Misha? I feel like that's such a loaded question because I feel like two, maybe two, maybe two of these guys by the end of 2022 might have a UFC title strapped to their waist. I guess the question I'm throwing to you, Cupcake, is who does it first? All right. Well, there is a great argument to be made for all three of these guys. But yeah. for the sake of time and because I happen to be long-winded, I'm going to just do the, the top two, which I think are, are neck and neck. But... I think Chemayev is the second most likely. Um, look, he's 10-0 and 0 at welterweight, but you have to look at the opposition that they would potentially be facing in order to become the champion. So I, I look at these guys and I'm like, they're yes. all championship material. They're all great. But who has the better likeliness in the run? You've got to look at who they would be facing. So when you look at you know the welterweight division, it's Usman. Or potentially Covington yeah. if, if he defeated. Those are just tough. I don't care who you are. 
I don't care who you are. If you have to fight Usman, I mean, it's it, it, at best we could say maybe it would be 50-50 at best. But I wouldn't even say, you know, it's it's not like it's a high probability right. that he could beat Usman because I don't give anybody a high probability to beat Usman right now. He's just that good. So then I, I step in, I, I look at Makachev and I, I look at um, his division. And right now we have Oliveira there and there's he's set to face um Dustin Poirier right those are much better style matchups for these you know styles that these uh you know Russian fighters are, are are sort of bringing in my opinion both of them and we already saw what happened to Dustin Poirier when he fought Khabib Nurmagomedov well we saw what happened to everybody great point but when you well, talk yeah. yeah I mean when you talk about uh Makachev Ha, you know, even saying it's a bit like cheating, having uh, you, you know, having Khabib in my corner, and the support and the game, <laughs> right? I mean, you yeah. support and the game yeah. planning and the coaching and the strategy. I mean, one of these guys has already been completely dismantled by Khabib, which is going to have the best insight on exactly how to teach uh, or or instruct or you know give the insight to Makachev to be able to make it get it done and. You know, even if it's Charles Oliveira who does come out on top of that uh, matchup, I still think, you know, he's lost of the more recent fights. He's lost more of them on the ground. Um, you know, either submission or TKOs, you know, those are the kinds of losses that Charles Oliveira does have. Even though, yes, he's a, he's a great ground artist himself. He's very well-rounded. I still think when you get a heavy guy like these guys, any of them really – but we're going to talk about Makachev because he's in that division. You get him in there, you know, on top of you. I think that's the easier run. It's the it's the division where these styles match up better. So my money would definitely be on Islam Makachev to be the first to get it done. Um, and, he, you know, he just stepped up, you know, majorly. He fought Dan Hooker, took him out, yeah. no problem. I mean, a similar kind of style, if you will, to, to Dustin Poirier. You can even say, you know, look at the fight they had. I mean, that was a war. Um, so I know that MMA math, you know, doesn't mean A plus B equals C, but looking at this as a well-rounded scope, I, I, I see that, that I think Islam Makachev has the most likely run and the fastest probably to getting the, the championship uh, strap wrapped around his waist. Well, that's what makes it so interesting because all three of these men, whether it be, you know, uh, Makachev, uh, Chemaev, or Ankalaev, all three of these men have ridiculous pedigrees behind them. And Misha, they all pass the eye test. Like you watch them and mm-hmm. you're just like, you're clearly watching something special. Even Shemaev, who uh, has not been really tested because he can't be tested when you're not getting punched and you're absolutely buzzsawing everyone in the first <laughs> round. I mean, Misha, I have never seen anything like what Shemaev is doing. It's very Rousey-esque. That's the closest that I've seen uh, where it's just just domination, just a knife through butter, use whatever shitty sort of imagery and, and, and cliche you want to use, right? Like, Shemaev fits it all. Uh, but he's still got to win a couple more big fights, right? Makashev right. is there. Makashev, I know names. the first... Yeah, and the hooker win is obviously the nice cherry on top and the way that he mm-hmm. did it and the win streak uh, uh, to his credit. You well, look at Makashev. Sits in at number five say, yeah, now. Can... I mean, he upped himself. Right, right. Uh, and, you, and, then, and, the, and, and here's the other thing. 
Right. Now that he's number five, people can't avoid him because that's another thing that's been happening. People are saying, no, thanks. I don't need to fight Islam Makashev. That's not a match that I need to worry about. Uh, well, now you need to. Now there's no there's a lot less favors being done or people playing the game. Essentially, you got to fight Makashev. And that's a nightmare. Uh, like we said, Shamayev still has probably a couple more big fights. Misha, mm-hmm. I look at Magomed Ankalaev. You talked about it. You said you got to look at the people they've got to dethrone at lightweight Poirier or Oliveira. Whew. That's a tough out. Usman, arguably the greatest welterweight of all time, definitely inching in closer to the records and the pedigree of George St. Pierre, right? Absolute wrecking machine. And Kamaru Usman. Then you look at light heavyweight. You look at Magomed Ankalaev's division. The man's won like seven in a row. He's beating people up big time, Misha, and his champion. And I, I, I hate to do this, Glover Teixeira. I mean, listen, we love the guy. It was a feel-good story of UFC 267. It's awesome, all that. But he has lost. And he has lost on some with some semblance of regularity. You give me a 29 year old Magomed Ankalaev versus a 42 year old Glover Teixeira. All due respect to Glover, man. I like Ankalaev in that fight. And if it's Glover's next fight, Misha, it could be a very short title reign for the Brazilian. It's unfortunate, but I, I honestly think Ankalaev could be the quickest mm-hmm. to a title just because, as you said, the state of the division and who's champion. Yeah, the the opposition, I mean, you make a great case for that one, too. And he's sitting right there at number seven. So I would have to go back through and see who, uh, you know, because Teixeira has such a, so much experience, like who he hasn't fought in that top ten yet. Obviously, I know Ankalaev is yeah. one of them, but who is most likely to be the next person? Because a lot of it has to do with the matchmaking, too. You're you're absolutely right. I mean, I think if Ankalaev was to be the next one on the docket, then I think he could definitely get it done. Um, but if, you know, if he's got to wait a few more fights and get, get up there, um, or I think Makachev, I think he could be, I think he could be the next one that, that, that they pick. I mean, just looking at who's Man. above him. I mean, he's got, yeah. Chanyo. it depends a little bit, obviously how the, the division unfolds, but yeah, this depends on how matchmaking is done, but you're absolutely right. He has a very strong case on does. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if, if all three of these men are champions by the end. I mean, I would be surprised because that would just be a stupid run of the like, d- direct regional talent from yeah, one I area be. to all become champions in one year. <laughs> but I wouldn't be. Like, they're yeah. all so good. Like, I they would are. be. I would be sitting here talking about it on the air. This is bad shit. Like, this is wow. nuts. We've never seen anything yeah. like it. I could have never predicted it. But when you look at the eye test, when you look at what we just saw all together on a main card uh, on a Saturday, you, I, yeah, I mean, shit. You remember Woo. when the Brazilians were kind of like ruling the roost a little bit or so it felt you know it yeah. feels like there's this uh, this wave that's that's right on the tip of peaking and crashing over yeah. when it comes to the russians and you could see something kind of i think similar going on there so i think we're on to something I, we're definitely going to see uh, a, you know a few if not all three of these guys up there yeah. fighting for these belts very soon Throwing Down with Renee and Misha is part of the SiriusXM Podcast Network. The show is produced by Michael Russo and Kelly Murphy. Sound designed by Nari Balin. Andy King is the director of sports podcasting for SiriusXM. Special thanks to SiriusXM Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen, and SiriusXM Fight Nation Program Director, Marissa Rivas. Sirius XM Podcasts.